pandemic got us into a reflective space and made us look inward to see what we can do for the world at large. As a self-expression coach, I became a catalyst for women and started Vani, a one-on-one -on -one coaching program for women on finding their voice, to speak up, to be visible. As a storyteller, I spotted there were many ordinary people amongst us leading extraordinary lives, making a difference to the world, and they needed to be heard. Thus was born You and I with Rashmi Shetty, where amazing personal journeys with their uniqueness and individuality are showcased. A reaffirmation of the fact, open your eyes wider, the world is far more beautiful when we acknowledge the presence of both you and I. guest today is Dr. Meenakshi Bharat, a gynecologist for 35 years and specialized in fertility work. Her medical practice consisted of making it easy for couples to undergo treatment to have children. Prevention is better than cure has always been her mantra. Her other passion stems from this mantra as she looks to prevent diseases created by garbage. From segregation to composting to using only reusables and having a waste-free wedding for her children, she is extremely active in converting people to sustainable ways of living. Having retired from active medical practice in 2018, she brings her passion for gynecology and waste management together in the campaign Green the Red advocating reusable menstrual hygiene products like cloth pads and menstrual cups. Her aim is to make all women enjoy their periods and not hate it. Listen in as Dr. Minakshi passionately describes her faith in the menstrual cup, which is completely healthy and eco-friendly. Hi, Dr. Minakshi. Such a pleasure reconnecting. Your story and you have always been inspirational for me. And therefore, welcome to you and I with Rashmi Shetty. Thank you very much, Rashmi. It's been quite some time since we met. Lots of water has flown under the bridge. I'm sure that, uh, you know, things have moved on. Uh, and be it the pandemic or anything, I think we have learned lots of things in the last few years and are happy to share it with you. Yes, and that is exactly what we're going to do through this conversation because this was born in the pandemic as well. But uh, before we get it there, the present, the current situation, I would love to know what was Dr. Minakshi as a little girl to the Dr. Minakshi Bharat that the world knows today? What I understand from what my relatives tell me is that um, I was quite... Um, you know, determined child and uh, knew my mind right from the beginning. And um, on my sixth birthday, I decided I was going to be a doctor. So my father bought me, you know, one of those toy doctor sets with a stethoscope. And that made my day. Why I wanted to become a doctor was because my father's younger sister was a doctor and I looked up to her. So that was the beginning of why I wanted to become a doctor. And somewhere in my third standard essay also, I did write that I want to become a doctor because I want to cure my father of his headaches and also go to the villages and help out the people who don't have medicine. But that, that 
never happened. It's happening in a different way now, but I'm sure that the service part of it was there right from the beginning. I did join St. John's Medical College in uh, uh, 1976 and spent five years there and enjoyed learning medicine, enjoyed making the friends that I did then. Uh, it was a left and right path-breaking moments for all of us. Later on in my life, uh, I learned from my mother. My dad is a very conservative person and he was very worried that if I go into a co-ed school, I'll find somebody there and marry somebody there. So he took an assurance from my mother and my mother gave him the assurance saying that, don't worry, I brought up your daughter well. She will not go and marry somebody else. She will come back and marry the person um, that you propose. And coincidentally, it did happen that when I finished my MBBS, uh, immediately after I finished my MBBS, I then came back home and then um, down came Bharat and um, the proposal happened and within a week we were married. So um, many years afterwards, my mother said that, you know, I had my heart in my mouth till you <laughs> decided to marry somebody that we approved of. I'm sure they would have approved of the other persons also. But, you know, um, we were still in that mindset that Hamara community, Hamara thing like that. I tell you the risks that our parents take for us. Enormous. But not you were not aware of this promise that she had made to your dad. No, no. We, we, Six, seven years after I got married, she told me this. Wow. Okay. Never told me. Uh, that shows the sort of trust yeah. uh, that she had in her child, uh, the upbringing that she had brought up. But uh, I think all parents will give their everything for their child. True. I remember on my 21st birthday, I said, Dad, I want to have a birthday party with all my friends. Uh, can you send me 250 rupees? And 250 rupees in uh, 1979 was a lot of money. And I didn't realize at that point uh, what sort of things I was asking of my father. Uh, because my father must have been earning 1,500 rupees. And to give me 250 rupees must have been a lot of money. Uh, so he, um, without batting an eyelid, he sent me the money uh, and I had a great party with all my friends. And, uh, you know, uh, later years when I sat down with him and said, what was your economics then? How much did you spend on me for my medical education? And it turned out that it was 25,000 rupees that he spent on me. And it was, a, you know, king's ransom at that point. Sure. And we, we don't even bat an eyelid when we ask our parents or some things and say, you know, can, can you really spare that sort of money? What are you depriving yourself of uh, to give me what I'm asking you? Um, these are things that just never occur to you. And then when I got married, I told Bharat, my father-in-law is not getting a handsome pension. Um, he won't take money from you. So why don't you say that you will only pay him 500 rupees for his medicines? So that, you know, he his ego is intact, your ego is intact, and you are helping them out monthly. Uh, being a son, you, you need to. So he says, oh my God, I had never thought about contributing to my father's um, income. 
uh, I just took it for granted that he had enough. Um, and at that time in the late 70s and 80s, um, though they were all high government officials, their pension was very small. The OROP hadn't yet come in. And so their pensions were very small. And so they really had, you know, there was no butter. It was just the bread line that they had. So the 500 rupees that he gave uh, sort of got them the butter, but uh, it didn't strike him at all. So maybe I was already thinking that we need to help the previous generation. And that must be something that I got from my father because my father used to always come home on leave uh, and do some repair work for his father's house, do something for uh, his siblings, he was the eldest of the family of seven siblings. So he always did that. And I was the elder and I had a younger sister who was 11 years younger. So it always came upon me that I must do something for her. Yeah, as, as, I, as I went into medicine and did um, the other thing that my uh, professor, my professor who was very fond of me and I was you know, just doted on him as a teacher, um, told me uh, when I started working on garbage and cleaning and, you know, cleanliness, he says, Meenakshi, I knew, uh, you know, you were doing this when you were 24 year old. You are not doing this when you're 48 year old. You were doing this even then the labor rooms, you would tuck up your sari like that. And then um, take off with the broom and the poor ayahs would be so nonplussed that the doctor herself is cleaning the place that they would come chasing after you and say nan mar kortini, nan mar kortini, and you know so it says you you were fond of cleanliness way back then itself not to the point of obsession but you wanted things cleaner for everybody so you always looked at doing something that would better the environment so um this was dr raj shaker from uh, Davangere, who was, of course, our icon as a teacher. So, um, you know, it never struck me till he said it that, yes, I used to actually sit and clean the toilets, the labor room, all that uh, without having any uh, jijak. Lovely memories uh, come back, you know, when you look at uh, what all things you've done in the past True. and mm-hmm. how it reflects on the current and the future yeah in fact what you spoke about uh, parents parenting would definitely come to you only when you sit down and reflect on what a wonderful journey life has thrown at you and while you're living it sometimes we don't even realize what we are living till we pause to reflect and it's conversations like these which lead us to my next question which is 1976 when you joined the medical college were there a good number of women in the medical college or just uh, few and far in between so we we out of 60 we were 18 uh, women okay. and of the 18 women nine were nuns and nine were girls being a christian college they of course had a preference for christians mm-hmm. but we were two girls uh, uma and myself we were the two non-christians But at that time, this religion didn't play any part in our lives. We were just colleagues. Mm. So religion didn't make any difference to us. Uh, We used to also go to church. 
um, you know, go for uh, Easter Sunday mass, Christmas mass. There was nothing. While they said, um, you know, uh, Hail Mary or um, whatever they were saying, we would say, Permale Nine Gatipa. You know? <laughs> so it's just a different language and a different person you're calling upon uh, because all of us used to do the same exam and all of us had to call upon some super strength to get through our exam tension and exams. So we, religion was not a big part or a dividing force at all for us. Mm. Religion was just what you were born into, what I was born into, no great shakes like mm. that way. Wow. And so from the India then to the India now, I'm sure you are seeing a lot of changes. But when you got into gynecology, was it something that was a natural choice or was it something that you were again passionate about? Um, well, when I took up, uh, wanted to do post-graduation, I had three um, subjects in mind. One was pediatrics, one was uh, psychiatry and one was gynecology. Uh, I was already married and my husband was in the Middle East, so there were not many uh, opportunities in the Middle East at that point. So um, pediatrics, while I was doing internship, those kids would scream at you and you could hear nothing. So by the end of the one month pediatric um, course that I did, I said, no more. Uh, <laughs> pediatrics is not my cup of tea. And so then I uh, looked at psychiatry and then looked at uh, gynecology. And by then I had a very good friend of mine called Dr. Philomena Vaz, um, who was mentoring me when I did my uh, gynecology posting. And I liked the way she dealt with it. And I realized that when you do gynecology, you're looking at women who are, you know, 90% healthy. Mm. So you're looking at a healthy population. You, you're not going to be tearing your hair apart, looking at disease. You are looking at prevention. You are making women healthy. And then you're giving them a happy child. And even then, uh, you know, in the eight, 82, 83, I used to sit with the patient and counsel them and talk to them and uh, explain exercises to them. Um, something that was, the, you know, the bedside manners hadn't yet been told yeah. to us or taught to us. But I found myself doing it and I found myself liking the fact that I could connect with the patient after the delivery and tell them, how do you sit and feed the baby? How do you deal with the various things? And the nice part at that time was we didn't have any disposables. So there was nothing to throw away, no garbage at all. The whole thing came up, you know, in 10 years time, by the time 1990 came up, all the disposables came into our lives. And that's when we started uh, having so much of garbage. <clears throat> but I was... Um, I came down to Bangalore for my first delivery in 88. And um, we were still using um, cloth nappies, um, you know. And I, I remember my mother spending two, three hours a day washing the cloth nappy with a, with a soap that is not harmful to the baby and hanging it out in the sun. Uh, it's such a clear memory that she took that portion of her life so seriously that she the baby must not get a nappy rash. And uh, then, uh, you know, 
And then I was so thrilled to see the pamper, the, you know, the diaper, the disposable diaper. I said, wow, what a wonderful invention. And I, you know, I'm aghast that I thought that it was a wonderful invention in 88. And now in 2008-10, uh, I have been fighting to get people to use the reusable diapers for my grandchildren. All the three of them, we have only used reusable diapers and um, saying, don't, don't use throwables. Don't use anything that is single-use disposable. Uh, it's not good for our earth. And it was only in, so I think 2006 or something, um, not 2006, 1996, we were going for a picnic in Dubai and instead of taking the right turn, we took the left turn. And suddenly we found ourselves in the middle of huge mountains of garbage that was burning. And we said, oh my God, don't tell me this is where our garbage comes. And um, UAE has lots of land. So they were just dumping all the garbage there and setting it up on fire. So that was the first time that I actually uh, encountered what happens to my garbage, that we are contaminating the soil around us, that we are uh, uh, creating rubbish. But even then, I remember we used to, when we go went on picnic to the beach or so, we wouldn't have disposables. I would still have steel lotas and all that. So um, one of those days that I we went for a picnic, uh, my cousin brother did a clearance sale and six lovely steel lotas, he took it and put it into the dustbin. And then later on, I asked him, hey, Sanjay, where did my steel lotas go? Oh, I thought that they were disposable. <laughs> <laughs> so truly, uh, you know, um, we were not the very disposable uh, variety um, mindset. Uh, so when I came back, uh, I came back with 36 melamine plates and so many glasses and Ikea, no, so Ikea has such uh, wonderful reusables. Yeah. So brought that all back and I still have it. I've lost a few plates, but beyond that, most of it is still there. And so that was the beginning of the plate bank that, uh, you know, happened in Bangalore where people started sharing their plates yeah. uh, and their utensils for parties. Not everybody needs to have a hundred plates. You have 20, you have 20, you have 20, and you just share it. Occasionally you will lose one or two, or one will break, but it uh, doesn't matter. So, uh, you know, um, it was a building block that was happening about how to reduce the amount of garbage that you are producing. And I remember in, uh, in the army days, my father is an army officer, the ladies, the wives would pride themselves on having napkins with lovely embroidery on it. And it was your showcase, how good a house as if you are uh, to say, you know, crockery hair, cutlery hair, and then you have lovely napkins. Um, so nothing disposable. So really we were brought up with the uh, not disposable, non-disposable attitude. And I remember when we used to go, travel in the train, we used to have hampers mm -hmm. uh, of khana. 
yeah. uh, though we used to get um, khana from the railways also and i remember such lovely dahi katori steel katori dahi aata tha gut dahi and uh, it used to be a pleasure to travel because you used to get such nice food and nothing disposable and nobody um, you know india was such an honest place nobody took away those katoris we didn't uh, flick the steel things that were there lovely place i think india is a great country to be in even today i have no qualms about uh, coming back to india 20 years we stayed in the middle east and then at the end of 20 years just as my parents were growing older and the children were also growing older uh, we said let's move to india so that the children can resettle themselves in india because they were 10 and 12 when i said uh, let's move back parents are not getting younger they will need my assistance and since um, you know my mission was to take care of my parents um, even when i was a 6 year old so i said uh, let's move back and we moved back in 2000 and i loved every, i have loved every year of the 22 years we've been back in india done so many things that would not have been possible if we had continued to live in dubai I know. No, I love the idea of the plate bank that you spoke about, and uh, your son's wedding video has gone viral on how it was completely sustainable. Uh, so I did that for my daughter's wedding also, except that because it was my daughter's wedding, I had no time to do any recording. <laughs> But for my son, I therefore had the time. And Vani was standing right next to me, and the photographer was standing there. So I said, "Come, Vani, let's do a video about it." And it just happened so spontaneously. And then, no wonder it is so candid and real, uh, yeah. because it didn't look scripted and a lot of thought going into it. It was absolutely candid, but so very honest and from the heart. And. Uh, I am really surprised. Uh, now, are you realizing that everything that you had all the way while you were growing was completely sustainable, 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 environment friendly? That now, when you're connecting the dots, you can see the pattern, or were you very aware as you were growing up about sustainability and being eco-friendly? Not at all. Not at all. The dots are now connecting. Like I told you, my professor, Dr. Rajshekar, said. But you were that the same thing then. You are not any different person now. You haven't undergone a metamorphosis, except that this is coming to the fore. Mm. And like you so clearly said, the dots are now all connecting, and it it's so um, heartening to know that the dots are connecting. And what is more heartening is to know that my children and their spouses are also of the same kind. So when my daughter got married, uh, I went up to my sambandis and said that I would like to have an eco-friendly wedding. Itara martara, it was the question. I said, "Ni nan mele bitbidi, ni ve maadi anta." So I should actually send you the, the uh, you know, they penned a song on me. Oh. Uh, it was so funny. Uh, so then uh, uh, you know, nambigiti minakshi, noro kella sonakshi. something 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 it goes on uh, so they were very amused by uh, the fact but they just agreed to it and they really uh, enjoyed everything that happened to them uh, you know was 
uh, dished out to them at the wedding. So they also agreed. And then my son's uh, mother-in-law also went out of the way. That was the video that you saw. Mm. Uh, out of the way to, you know, make it completely eco-friendly. So um, it's just that I think all like-minded people have come together. And Vani and I met in, Vani Muthi and I met in 2004. And we gelled so beautifully together that uh, the first 10 years from 2004 to 14, we did so many projects together. It was uh, very heartening and very nice. Um, we learned together and we did together. Uh, it was uh, completely very nice. Okay. So here all eco-warriors get together because was it at that time that Bangalore was getting really bad that you decided to pull your saris up and get into action? Or was it that, what is it that prompted you that, to get into the action mode? No. So two things happened. Uh, one is my daughter got dengue in 2007. And at that point, um, you know, she was in hospital for a whole week. And with all the resources of doctors, friends and everybody and the blood that we needed and all that, um, I went through a harrowing time because she was fairly serious. So I then began to think as to where did, where did the dengue come from? And the dengue comes from garbage, mm -hmm. uh, you know, clean water in receptacles that are there in garbage. <clears throat> That's where the mosquitoes grow. So then uh, after she got better, uh, I started thinking as to how we can work that out. And suddenly in 2009, we found um, uh, on the Independence Day, we found a whole lot of us uh, eco-warriors in different places um, doing the same thing. And then we said, why don't we just join hands and have a better force? And that was when Solid Waste Management Roundtable Bengaluru was uh, established. And suddenly we found that there were so many more people who wanted to do something. And when we, when we told the politicians that, you know, uh, Bangalore is becoming a garbage city, we got fired by them. We got fired. How dare you call Bangalore garbage city? She said, but we are just seeing it before us. And we were, we were uh, a few years ahead of the times when we said that Bangalore is becoming garbage city. And um, then uh, we all got together and uh, it was just amazing how many people would come. So Velour Srinivasan is one of the warriors in Almitra Patel. They came, uh, they came in and they taught us. Um, and Velour Srinivasan had had an eco-friendly wedding for himself in 2004. So then that's when I learned how to do an eco-friendly wedding. And in 2011, the first eco-friendly wedding that I managed was my friend Ramya, her wedding. And it was so beautiful at the end of the wedding, not to have a truck full of garbage going out, uh, you know, to the landfill. We actually took all the yellow and put it in my car and then took it to the Koromangla Goshala and watched the, um, you know, cows eat it up like ice cream. That was when I realized that the, you know, the Balayale is ice cream for the cows. And next morning it is cow dung. So we don't even have to worry about any garbage. So everything one, one on top of the other uh, became knowledge and became executable and became, became environmental friendly. 
and became cost effective also not only that it was so cost effective so um, then then i can't understand why people don't want to do it just because of laziness are wash your hand wash your vessel uh, you know keep all the dishes in a bucket keep it soaked so that it's easier to wash like we would do in our homes we don't use disposables so um, you know just a change in mindset and now there are people all over the country who are thinking about it yes it may still be 1% or less than 1% but the 1% are thinking about it and the 1% if they go into a position of um, you know execution uh, or an executive uh, position then they will be able to drive it that much uh, faster as citizens we keep on banging but somewhere it reaches <laughs> And uh, for all the work that uh, you and uh, Vani do in the space and the entire team does, how is the current generation uh, to this whole thing? Very receptive, uh, very easy to convince, or very responsible? What What is the kind of reaction you're getting from there? The younger generation are a little more eco-conscious uh, or they are conscious, but they don't know what to do. And when you explain that a paper paper cup is not really a paper cup, but there's a plastic lining in the middle uh, and that you are creating garbage, why don't you carry your own mug um, and uh, you know, um, do it? So Vani has a very nice kit, that uh, travel kit that we have. We used to go to Veena stores, if you know the famous Veena nice. stores. Yeah. We used to carry our plate and glasses for coffee and idli and uh, chutney there uh, but Venus stores is still to get converted uh, he still uses disposables but uh, you know it, it, people don't understand the economics of it yeah. uh, there's nothing to throw there is a lovely uh, dishwasher that you can have mm. so we used to carry our own thing and then bring it home and wash it and then take it the next time itself so we have a travel kit anywhere we go uh, we carry our own, um, you know, bottle plus uh, straw plus uh, a vessel to eat. Uh, so um, it just becomes a habit. When you're packing up things, you pack up such that uh, you don't need any disposables at all. And when did the menstrual cup uh, come into your life? In the midst of all of this or was there some other inspiration for it? No, it was a progression. So when we started segregating our waste, we had wet waste, which we learned to compost. And the first time we learned to compost, we went to Vellore and learned about composting. And Vani and I were so excited. We brought back earthworms and we brought back cow dung. And um, Vani put her earthworms in a nice little bowl up on the terrace. And I put my earthworms because I brought cow dung also into another bowl with the cow dung in it. And come the next morning, Wani went up to her terrace to look at, hey, how are my earthworms doing? And all the earthworms were gone. The early bird had eaten up all the earthworms. And my poor earthworms, I had cooked them in the cow dung. The, they just got, died in the heat of the cow dung. I was, you know, seeing cow dung for the first time though, I had, you know, my grandmother had a goshala behind, but we never touched the cow dung. 
So it, I didn't realize that fresh cow dung is so heaty. So the poor earthworms dried there, died there. So that was our beginning of how we started looking at composting. So both of us experimented with our composting in different ways. One in a different way. Me, I wanted to do leaf waste composting, you know, that way. And from composting, then we looked at our dry waste because segregation happened. Then we looked at our dry waste and I said, oh my God, how much of garbage are we creating? So then we started using reusables and carry bags and all that stuff, cloth bags. And then we sort of slowly reduced the total amount of garbage. We even went to the extent of carrying our own bags and going and buying wholesale. It doesn't happen all the time, but we try to do it as much as possible. And then we were left with the reject waste. The reject waste was sanitary waste, by which time I had crossed my 50 and I was menopausal. So I had no sanitary waste coming from my house. Uh, my mother was menopausal and my daughter hadn't yet attained menarche. So I was looking at, uh, you know, what is the sanitary waste doing? And then we started looking at the evolution of the sanitary waste and what happens to it. And then suddenly somebody turned around and said, here is a menstrual cup, you know, this can be used. My friend, a French lady uh, called uh, Claire Rao, um, you know, used the menstrual cup and she had brought it from France and we were so delighted with this menstrual cup. And then we said, uh, wow, like, and as a gynecologist, it made complete sense to me. One, it was made of medical grade silicone. Two, it was so comfortable. It was intravaginal and it didn't hurt the vagina in any way. And it had three times the capacity of a normal pad. Um, so it was a win-win for us. And uh, I, I didn't have to worry about removing it every four hours because the capacity was three times that of a, a disposable sanitary napkin. And so we said, wow, this is the way forward for women to have healthy periods. Why do we need anything more than that? And that's innovation. And we said, no, people won't be willing to change. So we said, all right, let's look at all the things that we have changed to. So from the kerosene stout to the gas stout, we have changed. From the uh, manual steering wheel to the automatic steering wheel, we have changed. From the manual gear to the automatic cars, we have changed. And now we are looking at getting into electric cars from the mobile, uh, from the um, landline phones, we have moved to mobile phones. Now, if we can do all these things, learning this so that you can, you and I can have a happy period is just another small move. So uh, then we said, okay, there is nobody who is giving awareness about this. Somebody has to give awareness about this. And then they all turned to me and said, Dr. Minakshi, you're the right person. You're a gynecologist. And, you know, you are so passionate about it. I was passionate because I used it for one day. And I said, God, I wish I were younger. I don't mind my gray hair, but I wish I was menstruating. But my poor uterus had called it a day. So what to do? So I said, all right, I missed the boat, but I don't want other younger women to miss the boat. You need to get the fear out of your head. And once you have the fear out of your head, once you begin using it, then it's life-changing. 
It completely transforms the way you look at menstruation. And then you say, why? It never troubled me. Why did I allow it to trouble me just because we were using disposable sanitary napkins? So cost effective, 90% of the money you save, you, you know, no trash and the most comfortable feel, feeling periods you have. So we used to wait to be pad free when we became menopausal. Now you are pad free the moment you start using the menstrual cup. So it's, it's like that. Uh, so it's, it's been a wonderful journey. And since 2015, we've been going hammer and tongs about this also, along with being eco-friendly in other ways. This is healthy. This is comfortable. This is non-irritant to the vagina. This is um, no rash on your thighs. Um, you know, no, no worries about peeing and pooing uh, and no worries about needing lots of water to wash it. You need half a cup of water to wash it. And so it's a win-win situation completely. And many a people will turn around and say, I'm so scared of using it. I said, you're not scared of having intercourse. Why should you be scared about using this? This is just the same thing. So open your mind to it. If you open your mind to it, then this is the most comfortable thing. Then should I, should I, you know, um, sterilize it? Should I wash it with hot water and all that? So I, I was one day sitting and thinking, what do we do when we have intercourse? We don't wash our husbands with hot water before having intercourse. Then why do we need to do this? The vagina is an unsterile organ. So let the vagina take care of itself. You don't have to be overprotective of your vagina. The vagina knows what it needs to do. And you have to just wash it with plain cold, half a mug or half a cup, not even a mug, half a cup of normal water that is flowing in your tap. That's all. You don't need to do anything else. We actually don't think about, you know, are, are we on a sterile surface? Are we, do we have a clean bed sheet? Um, you know, are we um, clean before we have intercourse? Oh God, we just close our eyes and have intercourse, right? So then why are we so hyper about what we put inside our vagina? God gave a vagina that is completely capable of taking care of itself. So it's the menstrual cup is a win-win situation for women uh, who want to have comfortable periods. And I think all of us want to have comfortable periods. True. It's just yeah. that we are not aware of how to have it and the advertisement, if you, if you actually look at it now, they are advertising the disposable sanitary pads with extra vigor. Suddenly, they have competition that was not there before. The cup has become competition for their 17,000 crore industry in India, and they don't want to lose out. The same way that the you know the kerosene stove people just stopped producing kerosene stove and moved on to produce something new, these people must stop holding on to their kursi, which is their pad, and say, let us do something good. It gets us money. So, okay, you can use a cup for 10 years. Don't we use a laptop for 10 years? Don't we use a TV for 10 years? Don't we use a fridge for 10 years? But you have a market for that 
there are so many giriyas and so many what so chromas that sell us these things so move on don't hang on to your uh, you know 19th century product go to the 21st century product this is the 21st century product should we not move on like we have moved on with our um, mobile phones like you have now taken up to podcasting to what it was before what you know you were doing ai or uh, radio broadcasting it's become podcast now and it is so very popular so we have to move with the times and menstrual cup is moving with the times very beautifully said uh, dr minakshi and uh, when it comes to usage of menstrual cup what is one of the most astounding questions that you have ever heard in this journey while you were talking about it and what was one of the most uh, deep questions that came to you as you were talking about it i still think that what astounds me is that women are scared of using the menstrual cup when you deliver your baby you're delivering a coconut sized head uh, when you're having intercourse it's the same same size of the menstrual cup that goes inside and it uh, what astounds me is medical people also have the same fear that the common man i mean can common woman has um it doesn't make sense to me because you are as a gynecologist we are examining a woman in her vagina every day day in and day out then why is it that we are ourselves scared um so that's something that i haven't been able to fathom out but once you there is a learning curve and once you go over the learning curve then you shoot off mm. so there are many stages of uh, cup wording i call it cup wording so the first stage is no mai 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 cup nahi pehen sakti hu impossible then your friend comes and says are mai use karti hu itna aaram hai tum bhi use karo so then you say all right thoda sa ghabrahat i'll remove it from my head and i will put it uh, you know give uh, let me try it then the first time i try it <gasps> अंदर फंस गया अंदर फंस गया मैं क्या करूं डॉक्टर के पास जाना है देन यू मैनेज टू रिमूव इट एंड देन यू से अरे अंदर डालने में मुसीबत नहीं थी बाहर निकालने में मुसीबत नहीं थी सो द नेक्स्ट मॉर्निंग यू कैच अप विद योर फ्रेंड एंड से आई इट वाज सच अ वंडरफुल एक्सपीरियंस एंड देन द थर्ड फ्रेंड यू विल से आप नहीं इस्तेमाल करते हो अरे यू मस्ट यूज इट सो देन यू आर इन द कप वर्टिंग सिचुएशन and then then you are of course tom toming to everybody so the you know four or five stages of cup version is too funny uh, when you look at it so you <laughs> go like from, an animated film that i just yeah, saw <laughs> it is it, it is so uh, you know it's truly like that so just before the pandemic started in march of 2021 um uh, february i had an opportunity to go to vanivilas hospital and speak to the doctors and nurses there about the menstrual cup and 10 of them uh, five doctors and five nurses uh, took it up and um, then suddenly the pandemic struck and you were then uh, posted to the covid ward where eight hour duty you were wearing those uh, 
COVID um, dresses and you couldn't remove it, you couldn't go to the bathroom, you couldn't, and periods, of course, never listen to any uh, calamity. Periods will come, especially when you have a calamity, that's when it will come on the dot 30 days. So they would all get their periods and those who were using the menstrual cup actually never had any problems. They were so comfortable because the menstrual cup has the capacity of three pads and they didn't need to change anything in those eight hours. They were ever so grateful that they got to know about it and that they took it up just at the right time. So for doctors, for um, air hostesses, for people who have long duty hours, for teachers who you know don't have time to go to the bathroom when they are uh, having uh, their classes, uh, their duty, just any woman who goes to the farm and has to work for her eight hours or the tea plantation, she doesn't have any bathroom, this is the thing to use. So truly uh, something that is um, earth shattering and transforming for women is the menstrual cup. So my uh, entry to everybody who is there is use the menstrual cup, experience it. Like Amitabh Bachchan says, first <laughs> wow, deep at the same time, the Minakshiism intact. <laughs> at this point, Dr. Minakshi, normally uh, where we move is the pandemic because you and I uh, stands for uniqueness and individuality. The whole purpose of the podcast is to draw out how each one of us is unique in our own contribution to whatever we are doing and individual still we all meet somewhere because the common good is what most of us hold together and if each one goes out and sees when we move beyond ourselves to make a difference to the world at large there's a very beautiful space we are all occupying the pandemic has been reflective for all of us what has it done to you one is of course it's like most people said um, we as a family got together we spent time together and we even did exercise on the um, terrace together because we didn't want to go out. Um, so it was um, the first first uh, lockdown was very good because we actually lost weight. That was one. Two, we realized that we could actually subsist with not shopping. So I think two years or so we did no shopping. And then you totally forgot about being a show-off to others. You know, you get dressed up to show how beautiful you are to others. You actually went inwards and realized that there is so much beauty in you and in the people around you that you don't need to be wearing lipstick and whatever else, makeup and uh, fancy clothes and all that, not necessary. We, we can live with whatever we have most comfortably. Just roti kapda or makan and a lot of us are fortunate to have that bit of roti kapda or makan and then you started looking at what happens to those who lost their you know earnings uh, lost their jobs then you started doing something for it and at that point i told people don't distribute disposable sanitary napkins they only last you one period i mean they only last you six hours they don't even last you a day. So don't dispose. Give them cloth pads, give them menstrual cup, 
they will learn you know in an emergency you learn so many things in an emergency you learn to swim because you don't want to drown so they will learn that and they will use it and so uh, that was the time that we actually revved up the uh, production of cloth pads for young girls and menstrual cup and did so many and the zoom platform just opened the uh, windows to everybody we were going to one school and speaking to 100 children we were now speaking to somebody in africa and somebody in america and somebody in australia it didn't matter the world had become totally shrunk because of the virtual platform and that was a revelation to all of us that we could now be friends with so many people we haven't met over 2 years but just because we've been on the zoom platform we have become such wonderful friends and that done so many projects together so it is like like that uh, you know um i think that has been a great learning for us and of course we have all had to rev up our abilities to learn new things so if we can learn how to do zoom i'm saying you can all learn to use the menstrual cup <laughs> and i'm passionate about it because i want women to have happy periods periods without any abdominal cramps the dysmenorrhea that we talk about and no rash and no trash this is 15 grams of medical grade silicone that will take you uh, for 10 years just imagine instead of uh, you know 1800 pads that you will throw this one cup will carry you for 10 years isn't that wonderful yeah i keep saying you know your mangal sutra is for showing others the cup is for using it for yourself <laughs> people say oh my god this is meenakshi isn't <laughs> no 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 don't don't tell me about what she said <laughs> my comparisons can be a little embarrassing but uh, that's when you remember that you know uh, that is how that is the difference that a menstrual cup can make Um, true <laughs> yeah. true and your passion is definitely visible and uh, three meenakshisms life lessons that you'd like to leave us with dr meenakshi uh, which you have uh, taken from life and would want to share with us um when you leave your house plan what you're going to do Um, and carry a few things carry a cup carry a plate um definitely carry the menstrual cup whichever holiday you're going for uh, so that you don't have to go and buy uh, you know disposable pads um don't use tissues use um, napkins mm, they they make a big difference uh, wash your hand you don't have to put um, sanitizers i'm not for sanitizers because we need the bacteria around us to keep us healthy so there's this huge issue about the microbiome that is there in our body and if we get rid of the microbiome we are inviting uh, the the um, the pathogenic bacteria to come in and live inside us which is no good so wash your hand no need 99% of the bacteria will be washed away with this soap what do you mean by that you need the 99% bacteria 
you don't need the one percent bacteria. <laughs> so that is something that I find uh, very distressing. Um, the world at large is looking at how much money they can make. The world at large is not looking at how can you make this world a better place to live in. Yes, you will still make some money, but do you need it in crores? You don't need it in crores. Roti kapra or makan utnai chahiye. And yeah, as you grow older, the roti becomes less and less. The fruit and the vegetables becomes more. And ek hi bistar pe so sakte hain. So, das makan banake kya faida? Though, of course, I I have more than one makan. Uh, I you know people will turn around and say, of course you have Meenakshi, uh, but we did that uh, at a time where we didn't realize that we should have bought land and grown things on it. Um, I for one, if you have a piece of land, I will give you an avocado uh, sapling which is three feet tall, uh, and you can get lovely avocados. So I keep growing as many fruit trees as I can. Uh, remember, we did that huge um, uh, protest about uh, save the trees on Sankey Tank. Thank and that was when I decided to grow my own plants in my house and uh, trees in my house. And then every fruit that I ate, I tried to propagate it so that it goes somewhere and grow and become a tree. So each of them evolved into something uh, new. So think about uh, not creating any garbage. So I, I tell people, don't eat um, chips, uh, eat banana. Uh, you know, healthier, faster energy for you. And you, you know, you can compost it and it will create uh, lovely um, food for the plants. So I think that's basically what we need to do. Think beyond us. There is more to us uh, than just me and my intestinal parasites. Take care of everybody around you and the pleasure. And most importantly, I have the pleasure of having my parents with me. And though we are alike and we rub against each other and have um, altercations, um, it's such a pleasure to be 63 year old and have your parents with you and take care of them the same way that we took care of they took care of us and our children, not only us, our children also, they brought them up to be such wholesome human beings. Um, I owe them a lot, both my parents and my parents-in-law, I owe them a lot. And uh, I've had the good fortune of now in the last 10 years, uh, doing things for my parents, which I didn't do because they were young and fit before. They're not young and fit anymore. Uh, but uh, remember that they must have sacrificed so much. And when I look at it, what are the things that they did for me and sacrificed for themselves? I realize, oh my God, the least I can do is to uh, you know, take care of them as they become more frail and you know, frail in the body, frail in the mind. Um, I don't know where I'm going to go. Um, and my daughter says, mom, you're not going to be like this. You better be, you know, nicer to us. So yes, they all, they have all. So it comes by example. If you will take care, if my father took care of his parents, 
Um, therefore, that was the example that I had. I took care of my parents. Then there is a good chance that my children will take care of me in my, you know, old age, cranky self, whatever. But uh, that is something that we all need to remember that we should, we should uh, take care of the older fogies uh, because they are not capable of doing what they are. And at 40, you don't even think. When I was 20 and my father said that his, uh, he was friends with his friend for the last 40 years, I said, oh my God, what an old man he must be. Because from first standard to, you know, to 40 years, they were friends or 45 years, they were friends. And now I have friends who are been friends for the last from 18 to now 63, that's 45 years. And as we grow older, we realize that the knees are creaking and the, you know, you can't climb up the stairs as fast enough. And then we realize that, yes, old age is coming up. However fit you think you are in the mind, it is coming up. So enjoy every bit of your life. You don't know when your cup will be full and you will just conk it like that. But if we conk it like that, we are very fortunate uh, without suffering. The other day, um, my colleague's uh, brother-in-law um, just sat on the chair and died. By the time his wife came from the bathroom, he was no more. What a wonderful way to go. Yes, shocking to the uh, relatives, but for him, it was the most wonderful way to go. So we just pray that, uh, you know, God will give us a nice ending. But in the meantime, enjoy every bit of it. And don't harm, I mean, though it sounds preachy, don't be nasty to anybody. Uh, always think that if that statement was made to me, how would I feel? And if you thought that you would feel cringy, then don't make that statement uh, because you're going to make that other person feel miserable. So joy is what you must give everybody. And I think I try to do that to the best of my ability. Of course, I will, uh, you know, chuko sometime, but uh, that's the idea. Wow. You definitely are a woman who lives every minute, every second of your life. Thank you so much for this rich uh, life lesson, a book that you gave us. I asked you for three, you gave us a book. You really are generous. And people who do not think just of themselves, but go beyond and more than anything else, the planet Earth that we need to now give to our children because we've only borrowed it from them. And what a beautiful lesson you're doing it every day with the life that you're leading, Dr. Meenakshi. May your tribe increase. May God bless you with all that you need and honored to have you on uh, you and I with Rashmi Shetty. A pleasure completely mine and may all your dreams come true. Thank, Thank you so much, so Thank much you. Rashmi. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. With that, we come to the end of this weekly quest of You and I with Rashmi Shetty. Do let us know if you know people who make the world beautiful. Write in to rashmi.thethirdeye at gmail.com. That is R-A-S-H-M-I dot T-H-E-T-H-I-R-D-E-Y-E -E -E at gmail.com. Come. 
Let's explore this amazing world together, both you and I.